There it is. All right, Cameron. I appreciate you joining this podcast. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We had some technology issues here uh, on my end, which I realized for the listeners, uh, there's a USB cord that's connected to uh, these plasma TVs that people do now to kind of like have like multiple computers all set up. And um, I didn't know that one of them had to come out so I could actually hear what was happening because they don't have a, they don't have a, what do we call these things? Uh, microphones or things that things for sound to come out. Um, but anyway, I appreciate you coming on to this podcast. Um, we'd love to know a little bit more about yourself, your background, what you do, and then we'll hop in and, and I'll share my thoughts and ask you a few questions. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Um, yeah. Cameron Cooper, I manage recruiting operations and employer branding for a company called Unite Us. We're kind of in the social care tech realm, um, helping communities get linked up to social care. Um, and you know, my background's a little bit untraditional. Um, I started out in management consulting and kind of worked on the research side, eventually moved into agency recruiting. Agencies sometimes call their sourcers research analysts, especially we do executive search. So kind of having that research background and understand how to find things kind of applied to finding candidates. So kind of fell into recruiting, um, did that for a few years and then eventually wanted to go in-house. And that's how I came across Unite Us. I started out as just a recruiter, kind of like working on different roles, whether it was sales or ops yeah. or technology, and then became a tech recruiter fully there. And then eventually moved up into the recruiting operations employer branding side, because I really liked operationalizing things, turning strategies into like actual concrete things. Um, and also understanding like how we can maximize on can experience and talent attraction overall. Okay. Let me ask you this. This is outside the box here. Um, and this will happen a lot. Um, I'll just start randomly asking questions. Um, my ADD will kick in, which I actually do have. Not a joke. You shouldn't joke about it anyway. But for the listeners that know, I actually do have ADD. Um, so it may pop up throughout this conversation. Um, so my first one, do you feel what back when you're recruiting, do you feel that having an experience in product or having an experience in sales or having experience in marketing um should be a prerequisite or should be some sort of um, expectation if you're going to be excelling at recruiting for those type of roles? Or do you find a good recruiter has the ability to learn things enough to be dangerous at a high level to be able to speak, you know, confidently about it and they can really just blanket any role? What are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. I think I think it can go either way. Um, I will say sometimes you do see salespeople pivot to recruiting. They're kind of sick of kind of like the whole sales grind and they want to get into something else that's still very like communicative towards people. Yeah. But I think I think it can help because you know the function, you know what happens in that particular realm and you can articulate that to a candidate like for example, like when I was in management consulting, we worked with a lot of companies, a lot of departments, and you kind of know how business works. So you, you kind of have a general overview yeah. of how things are, but like any granularity, um, let's say like it is a product management role. Not everyone knows what that is. It's very typical for just a SaaS company. And so understanding kind of like the nitty gritties and, and what happens day to day, I think can really help tell the kind of like what we're doing specifically at an organization, but I definitely think like 
a lot of conversations with hiring managers, with the people that they're supporting can get them up to speed, maybe not as quickly, but almost at that same level in a timely fashion. And it can probably also, um, it can probably also increase the likelihood of closing on a candidate, right? Where if you're able to, if you're able to confidently speak about something tactically and strategically and, and from a sales perspective, um, and empathize with a particular scenario you might throw at that candidate, it might make them feel more comfortable speaking to you, which may inevitably show the best version of themselves, right? Because I think, and then this is actually another question to you, um, my la- one of my last ADD random questions, because it's not on the agenda, uh, but I've always felt that it's a recruiter's job to try to make that candidate feel as comfortable and as psychologically safe as possible. Um, because I feel like, and maybe you've done this, I feel like there's been a lot of recruiters that have turned down applicants based off of how they performed during the interview. When if you were really to just get a get a cocktail after hours with that with that recruiter, they probably would have said, This is a really good candidate. They were probably just super nervous and I couldn't get past that. But if we really were to just like sit back, have a cocktail, really get to know that person, they probably would have crushed the interview. Um, and so I don't know if you have thoughts on that from the perspective of learning more about what you are, uh, the business unit you are recruiting for to make that person feel more psychologically safe so that you get the best version of themselves throughout that interview to give yourself and that applicant the best chance to land the role. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think I think it comes down to trust and credibility. Um, you have to be credible enough to really speak speak fluidly in, in terms of like what we're doing like can you confidently talk about what we do what our values are what this position actually is going to do and like how this person is going to impact the organization if they join um but i also think like i think recruiters there's, there's a lot of things you hear in the press like ghosting and just like not hearing anything for weeks and i think you lose that trust with they can't lost trust in you yeah and you have to rebuild that but i think you from the first time you speak with them, you always need to keep that communication going and they're going to feel confident in you. They're going to feel like you're supporting them throughout the process and, you know, always giving tips, like not telling them like too much, but being able to say like, you know, maybe this is what you should do. Maybe you maybe rambled a little too much during our call, but just keep an eye on that. Make sure you're not doing so much of that in interviews, but kind of being like an ally to them almost. I really appreciate it. Yeah, 100%. Um, I guess from more of a direct employer branding perspective, what do you think, this is a good question, actually. What do, what do you think the the world of employer branding, how do you think it's going to change over the next, let's call it five years? And, when, and, and I'll give you a little bit more caveat with that question. Um, what do you think employer branding means to you now in a 2024 world, 2023 world? And I say 2024 because we're almost there. Should have put it the other way. Um, but then over the next five years or so, right, how do you feel that it, it will evolve? Because I think it's in a very interesting spot now where organizations are finally, to a certain degree, leaning a bit more into authentic storytelling, um, communication, and not so much on the um, commercial-type atmosphere that I think used to be in, right? You know how products kind of make it seem like this is the best product in the world? I feel I feel like companies are starting to do that a little too much. So, so what are your thoughts on both of those? Yeah, I mean, I think 
I think it's going to be the most critical thing um, yeah. when we move into 2024. And, and also as we keep progressing through the years, I think candidates now are going to just flock to organizations that have a positive presence and can speak about what they're doing and really the impact that they have in, in terms of like what they're doing for the customers they serve. And yeah, reputation is, is everything as well. It's so easy to find information on organization and, and, you know, who knows, we're kind of like in this AI era now, oh, man. could someone just ask chat GPT, like, Hey, like, tell me a little bit about this company and, and, you know, should I work for them? And who knows how smart it would be. It's like, give them a recommendation. So I wow. think we, we have to really, companies really need to reel it in and, and be like, how do we want to position ourselves? How do we want to really appeal and, and look to be a good company out there because the other thing that's happening is, you know, you do hear press on like the whole high, like we're going back to hybrid, we're going back to five days a week, but remote companies still exist. And, and there's many choices and, yeah. and that's one of the things that candidates have now is choice. Um, they can easily work for any company if there's no geographical constraints before it used to be, well, uh, I'm going to weigh out these two organizations because one is a little bit less of a commute than the other, but now it, it's so much more than that. And it's going to involve to where people are really going to look at like, what is this candidate experience like? What is your employee experience like? And um, are we being able to tell those stories uh, on social media platforms, on other platforms and, and talk about our values. And I think that's one of the other things too, that is really just going to impact if someone wants to join you or not is yeah. do our values align with their values and are we providing enough? And do we look like a supportive organization that will help an employee flourish and, and meet their desires really? Yeah. That's interesting. What do you, for, uh, let me ask you this then. What do you think about, um, and I know the glaring, like, legal element of it, right? Like, there are certain things that you shouldn't say because they can have legal ramifications. But what are your thoughts on things that are in the gray area and or things that you just honestly should say to connect employer branding to retention? So my direct question is, I've always had the thesis that more organizations should create employer branding content contextual to a department. I think I told you a little bit about this. Um, we're... You have more of your macro content that you put out about the organization. And then whether that's in video form, whether that's in written form, whether that's test, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it creatively, but then you should kind of have your, your content that speaks to certain pockets of departments inside of your organization, as well as teams. Um, so for an example, a marketing team, in my opinion, should, if they're hiring for a certain amount of roles in the marketing team, they should have content that's put out just to describe what it's like to be a part of that team. And frankly, at a very like authentic level, things that may be a little bit scary to admit, things that may be a little bit uncomfortable to admit. What are your personal thoughts on that? Obviously moving away from the, the, the reality that legal, you know, you have to be calm, you know, you have to be careful with that. But like, like I'll give you an example that maybe is not so legally threatened. Like, um, you know, explaining how decisions are made or explaining how um, explaining how if you're an applicant joining this team and if you want to present a new idea to me, here's the best way to do that. Or like, do you have any thoughts on like little micro pieces of content that hiring managers can put out to make applicants feel comfortable joining that particular team? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think I don't think it's unrealistic like some of these things. So for me, my philosophy around you know job postings, like the advertisement that the candidates see is, you know, let's talk about the team they're joining. What is the mission of this team? How does it operate? Who do they work with? And what is their impact across the organization? And, and then you can get a little more granular. I think it's kind of understanding, you know, what what does get said in the job posting versus the conversations they have with the hiring manager and the interview panelists. Because sometimes it could be duplicative. And sometimes just having that conversation, whether it is with the recruiter, whether it is with the hiring team, they might be able to articulate it a little better verbally than it would be in, let's say, a job posting. Because you can only say so much. There's a lot of real estate in that. So... I think it's just a good balance, but I do believe organizations can be a lot more transparent in what yeah. they're putting out there. And I, I mean, I've seen some really cool creative job postings that, you know, newer organizations are thinking outside the box or doing just to kind of stay competitive, but some are still like sticking to the old way of doing things. Yeah. I really think you have to constantly reiterate and, and look how you can be more attractive. And, and I think that's a glimmer of, like your company is, is your job posting and you really need to leverage that to your fullest advantage. Yeah. Does, do you feel employer branding and onboarding are like cousins to each other? And, and what I mean by that is like, do you believe what is shared through on employer branding content to have someone attract to the company then kind of the same communications that are that are that are communicated throughout the, the 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 recruiting do you think that then carries on to the vibes the feelings the excitement the nervousness they may feel heading into onboarding do you feel like they're all synced absolutely it should be all synced because employer branding the employer brand should be consistent not only externally but internally like we should be speaking the same language no matter who the audience is mm -hmm. and you know, onboarding is like the first gateway into seeing employee experience. Like, how do we prime our new hires for success? And if the onboarding process is terrible, yeah. remember that. And they're probably, if they're going to refer people, they might even say that like, hey, just an FYI, like this onboarding process wasn't so great. So you really have to give that good first impression to when they actually join your company so you need to have like fleshed out content needs to go smoothly and the processes need to be able to be just very seamless, but I absolutely agree that they're both tied together, but it's that consistent messaging too, that also needs to be on point. Yeah. What are, um, I'm rattling a bunch of questions at you. Sorry about that. For those that are listening to, I'm um, embarking on a, a new initiative where I'm trying to Try to collect thoughts, perspectives, learnings from a lot of people in um, the employer branding sector right now. Uh, for those that are listening, you know, sometimes I go down the human capability rabbit hole, the DEI rabbit hole, the internal comms rabbit hole. So right now I'm, I'm in the employer branding one. And uh, Cameron, unfortunately or fortunately, has to uh, answer all of these uh, fire, uh, these uh, these questions are firing at him. Um, measurement of employer branding. Um what does that look like now? What were you taught? And then where do you see it starting to develop? Because I believe, and this might be, a, and this is kind of connected to what we were just talking about. I believe that first 90 day, the first six month retention numbers should be 
it's a hard case to make, should be somewhat connected to employer branding, but it's tough to like fully lock it into that and hold those employer branding executives and team members accountable for the lack thereof or or uh, the strength of the retention. But what are some metrics around how you measure the impact uh, that, that, that you were taught prior to getting into this work and then now that you've developed as you're getting, now that you've been in this work for a bit of time now? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I mean, we could look at a few things, right? You mentioned you know, department-specific or team-specific yeah. content. You know, Unite Us, we're a Ruby on Rails shop. So we would be ideally attracting engineers with that background. Um, and I think one of the things that would be a good measure is, are the people that are applying to these roles or following our company, are these engineers that have our tech stack? And are they ones that, you know, maybe if they don't have that, are they willing to learn the tech stack? And you kind of get that through the conversations that you have with them to understand what they're willing to kind of get themselves into. But I think the other thing too is, you know, the top two places I think candidates look for when they're seeking out companies or coming across companies is one, your website and very specifically your careers page and also LinkedIn. So with your careers page, how how is it performing? Where do people, how are people trying to navigate through that? Um, are they looking through jobs? Like where are they clicking? Are they looking at blog posts that are associated with employee experience here? Are they looking at any testimonials in them? You know, with social media, what kind of posts are the audience, like the majority of the audience are actually engaging with? Are we seeing more engagement on, let's say, a tech blog post than maybe a sales blog post for whatever reason? So it really just is like thinking about what we are trying to gauge. I think everyone has their own metrics that they're targeting within an organization. But I think the other thing, too, is... Um, kind of like the can of quality or the quality of hire, because it's almost like following a trail. Did our inbound or outbound messaging target the right person? And, and did we have an interview loop that had the same consensus and yep. result in a great hire? Um, but maybe we didn't target the right person and maybe we didn't have the correct content that really was attracting the right person to the organization. Because you don't want to, like the goal is not to attract everyone. It's, it's to find the person that connects to your values, yeah. connects mission um mishires happen but you know that's it's kind of like figuring out what is actually the most impactful um pieces of content and, and like how are we using that day-to-day -to, -day to attract this talent yeah and would you say i guess uh, in in a, in, a, in, a, in a world where some folks are leaving after 90 days do you all currently have systems or do you feel it'd be important to have systems in place where as they're exiting, they can kind of, whether that's in a survey format, whether that's in a one-on-one, -on -one, where there's a few questions that's that's pointing back to employer branding. And I would probably suggest where the question is based around and framed what you experienced during the 90 days. Is that indicative and in re in reflecting of what you were learned, of what you were taught and what was communicated to you via the website, via the job description, via the the any sort of visual content that was put in front of you any video testimony was like was there a different experience and a different vibe and energy and realities that was felt during these 90 days that that obviously inspired you to leave that were different than what was put in front of you early on what are your thoughts about that 
Yeah, I think it's those are questions that should be asked because it needs to be a feedback loop. You know, what what didn't quite click or what didn't kind of be in sync when the person was going through the process and now they're experiencing it yeah. actually in the weeds. Um we have measurements in place, like we have verbal, you know, exit interviews, we have um form surveys that people can fill out, and we're always analyzing feedback. No company is perfect, so we're always looking to see where can we find ways to maybe remedy this or, or yeah. improve on this. Um, but I think it definitely needs to be something where we get the information so we know how to evolve from that. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, distribution. What are your favorite platforms that you feel some of this content should be put out on? Um, and I'll and I ask you a pretty strategic question. So, I've always been a fan of like, let me see of a really interesting example. Like I used to think about this. Whole, this is years ago too. I'm trying to find it here. My EDD, like I'm trying to like do the pattern recognition in my mind. Uh, I think I found it. All right. So if you are, if you're a sports brand, right, let's say, and you decide to put out some employer branding content to attract and recruit applicants do you feel that it's important from a distribution of that content to maybe be on a, I don't know, on a bar stool podcast or a, if you're a big company, you have enough budget, you know, try to get some promotion uh, via ESPN and some of their online uh, distribution channels they have, or like, do you feel like what your brand is? Should you get outside the box and try to market on channels and distribution platforms that are also geared towards whether it's your consumers and end users or just the overall same industry or should it just be your normal channels like twitter facebook instagram um you know uh tiktok if you will linkedin things of that nature what are, what are your thoughts on that yeah great question i i have an example to give actually that we've actually pursued recently but i think you need to do both there's definitely some major social media channels that would not make sense, but I will say like, I have never seen LinkedIn like in the way it is now compared to how it was years ago. Like, I think there's so many people using LinkedIn to its fullest advantage. I, there's so many new companies out there, some new, I would say LinkedIn influencers, if you will, that are just pointing out content that we've never seen before. It's not, boring content anymore yeah. it's not this business jargony stuff it's gain the most engagement but talking about real things and i think you're also you're seeing that across the board whether it's sales influencers tech yeah. influencers and it's just amazing to see like how creative they are but i think you need to figure out where your audience is and, and who you're trying to target we we recently worked with an organization called purpose jobs and purpose jobs is kind of like a small hub. I think they started in the Midwest and they're trying to expand nationwide, but they only bring on and, and what we call purpose certify organizations that have a strong mission that are doing good in the world. Mm. And it's very selective it, and it's not pay to play. Sometimes the pay to plays are a little mm. bit skewed, but this is how authentic are you as a brand? And any people that are looking for mission-driven companies that are doing good, impactful work they would hopefully go to purpose jobs and find those companies, see what we're doing, see the jobs we're hiring for and maybe apply through there. 
And you're, you're making me think of something. Purpose jobs, purpose jobs. Um, the CEO of that purpose jobs. So I'm sorry, sorry, listeners. Oh, purpose jobs. Do you do you know any folks there? Um, we know a couple of people. I think I think we're working with someone by the name of Ryan. Ryan Land Landon or Landu. Potentially, I have to look up the last L-A-N-D-A-U? name. L A N D A U. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, maybe. I'll share it after after this. Um, he was on my podcast actually. Oh yeah. And I've done yeah, I've done content with them a few times. Um, I did an event with them in person one time. Um, yeah, I'm very familiar with them actually. When you said it, I was like, purpose. Why does that sound like familiar? Yeah. So yeah, keep going if you had any other thoughts. I didn't mean to cut you off, but but no, purpose jobs. That that that's interesting. It does yeah. connect. It's a real story. Yeah. Yeah. Small world, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think there, I would say there's a lot of these newer, I don't know what you want to call them, like hubs, but they're kind of like yeah. going outside like the traditional social media platforms. Um, I think you're kind of starting to see like these hubs, think tanks, whatever, but like there's also like a lot of like sales communities, right? Like enterprise SaaS, like sales communities out there where they're kind of like doing the same thing. Like people are posting their jobs on there. There may be, be maybe like a, making a company landing page that are like showcasing some content that the company's put out, but it's just really trying to find like, where are these audiences gravitating towards and, and leveraging them? Cause sometimes you might not get all you need through LinkedIn. I, as recruiters, we always need to rely on it because like, that's like the main tool, but that doesn't mean there isn't other avenues you can take to find who you're looking for and attract those individuals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, and this is also what you're probably alluding to is like the job board circuit, right? That's really what, you know, yeah. you know, finding the right job boards that can really fit your brand, your messaging has the, you know, so there's a ton of job boards that are connected to the LBGTQ community. There's a ton of job boards that, that are connected to um, your diverse candidates. You know, there's a ton of job boards that are connected to just your your product folks, your marketing folks. So to so your point, there's a ton of different job boards and areas, communities online where you can go as an employer branding executive, as a recruiter, and be a part of those communities and extract potential applicants and candidates and kind of get your messaging out there for sure. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, because back in the day, like for agency recruiting, we used to look at this site called Meetup and they were these like little tech developer groups when we were looking for software yeah. engineers, like there was a Java Meetup in like the Philadelphia area. But you can kind of think of these now as like very established like groups that are kind of evolved from like the typical way it used to be. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. And and you said back in the day, is if you and I are super old, like <laughs> which is like eight years ago. <laughs> it feels like it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my next question. So. I believe from a, sorry, I'm looking at some things here. We I have a ton of questions here I could ask you, but we only have so much time. Um, how do you feel employees should get involved um, internally as it pertains to employer branding from a different angle than you probably would expect? From the angle of sitting down and having focus groups internally share the positives as well as maybe even like the gray areas of their experiences thus far that they feel should be communicated through recruiting and through employer branding so that when that applicant turns into an actual employee and joins that team, they're more familiar with the realities of that team and that organization. 
as well as your employees are happy because now your employees are like, you hired someone that already knew what they were getting into so they can kind of hit the ground running a little bit faster. Um, I was I was doing some advising and coaching a few years back um, for that company beyond brand I was telling you about. And that was one of the pieces of that consulting that I would do is like, look, we need to learn and talk to some of your employees and get their points of views on some of the information and content that they feel should be put out. If not for anything, just to make them happy so that when that person joins the team, they can kind of hit the ground running and they feel like they, that that the employees have been heard a bit. So what are your what are your thoughts on um, talking to some of those employees that help you with your employer branding strategy? Yeah, we actually did something like this, I think. I think a couple of years ago where we were looking at candidates that were brought on board and they were not advocates, but they were sourced like what what attracted them they were they were passive candidates what attracted them to our organization what made them want to have a conversation and i think it a lot of it was attributed to like our brands like a lot of it was about our messaging and, and what we were doing and how we talked about what we were doing but i think it can be very granular from there like that was just like one portion of them interacting with us i think you know we always want to think about ways of you know like the onboarding experience, right? We are always surveying and seeing like, you know, what did you like about this? What didn't you like about this? And and how, what are your recommendations for improving? Um, and sometimes those are like group think tanks that are happen over Zoom or they could just be survey based. But I think like other ways to bring people in is having them be part of like the testimonial, having them be part of um, any sort of video that you want to put out or maybe a quote that you want to put out that's directly from them. I think also too, kind of like checking ourselves, having like a checks and balances in place where, you know, we think this sounds on brand, but do you think it's on brand? And just having like a, I want to say like a third party, but another perspective on yeah. how does this sound and, and what would you do to tailor this if we were working with them or with this department, having those folks chip in and then say, does this sound on point? Does this sound like what you're trying to accomplish and what you would want talent to see? Yeah, no, a thousand percent. Um, maybe a final question that we can end with and then I'll get you out of here is the following. Um, you've been in your career for a bit of time, but uh, you, you're still young. You're still thriving. You look 19. Uh <laughs> but that's a compliment. That's not a bad Thank thing. You. Thank you. Young man. Um, what would you advise? And I think this is important because I, so I've done a lot of speaking at like Sherm chapters at the university level um, where a lot of young HR folks are coming into the, the industry. And what I've tried to do, and I think I want to start it back up because I've spoke at probably about 15 or so different universities at the Sherm chapters. Um, and my main purpose of doing that was to try to teach and show them that, hey, being an HR generalist and getting in the administration and, 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 and benefits part of the job, which to my admin HR folks out there, not to you, we need you, but I will go to sleep and pass out if I ever have to do that because it is very boring to me, but I love you all. We need you. And I was explaining to them, like, you don't have to just do that, right? That's not, you can jump right into employer branding. You can jump into strategic recruiting. You can jump into internal comms. You can jump into DNI. You can jump into uh, change management and get into consulting and go down that path if you like. Um, so what advice would you give to anyone looking to um, maybe 
I don't want to say skip the line a bit, but take a different approach early in their career and jump into employer branding versus taking the more potentially traditional path of going into this as a generalist or maybe getting into fast paced recruiting and then eventually finding out um oh, burnt out. I need to make a little bit of a transition. What what are your what are your your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things and it, it's really impacted how things happened in my career was networking. It, it's having those conversations and and don't be afraid to reach out to people on some of these channels. LinkedIn's definitely the main hub, but more often than not, people are going to respond. I, I feel like there's a whole notion of no one's going to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. People are willing to talk about what they do and, and are more than willing to help people excel yeah. in their career, or find or help someone pivot into a, a different area that they are interested in. But I think also too, there's just so much content out there, like research a ton and, and, and see if this resonates with you, like employer branding could be something that someone heard about one day, maybe not hasn't done the research yet, but, but do the research. It, it's definitely a different specialty. It, it's very exciting now. And I think it's going to be the same that is always going to stick with organizations moving forward. But I think with anything, it's do your research, reach out to the experts, try to have those conversations and try to mark yourself. I, I think like personal brand is a big thing too. Like what is yeah. your personal brand and how can you really impact an organization that might be looking for someone that's ambitious, that has a good understanding, a good foundation of whatever they're trying yeah. to get into. And I think that's could be just as good as someone that might have all this experience. It just really depends on what the organization is looking for. Bonus question. Um, I know you said you like to chef it up a bit. Um, your favorite dish. Your favorite dish. I was going to try to come up with some crazy scenario. That's it's too complicated. Just your favorite dish to cook. Like, actually, no. Your favorite dish to cook, whether it's a birthday for someone you care about, um, a special occasion. Like, what's like a, a favorite special dish? Not just your, hey, it's a Wednesday night. I need to, I need to eat so I can you know, have energy, you know, what, what's your favorite dish? That's a great question. I mean, I'm, I'm half Italian. So like pasta dishes are something that I usually try to be creative with, but you know, a good penny alla vodka, it could be chicken penny alla vodka is, is something that I would make. Um, but I'm also trying to get into like, kind of like the Indian Pakistani cuisine too. Like yeah, attempted chicken biryani many times. It's not perfect, but we're, we're trying there. I'm trying. Yeah. Very cool, man. Very cool. Um, well, I appreciate having you. It's been a great conversation. I threw a lot at you. You handled it very well. So I'm very appreciative of that. And um, as always, man, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch. I know uh, we have a couple of meetings lined up to, for me to be able to get to know your company a little bit more, which I'm very appreciative of. And uh, But I'm here. I, I look at you as a friend now. We'll, we'll share thoughts, resources, perspectives. You're not too far from me. So hopefully maybe one day we'll be able to grab a beer or something and, and, and connect in person. Um, but thanks for being on the podcast, man. Yeah, absolutely, Anthony. Thanks for having me. 100%.